it's, it's a really difficult time for all of us, and so I hope you're doing well at home. Um, but it's also been a great time. You know, as difficult as the, it has been for churches to meet, I know that I'm hearing so many stories of people coming back to church online, people actually visiting services, you know, in probably way, in waves that we haven't seen before. And it's such an encouraging thing to, to see and to hear about. And so, you know, thank you for tuning in. You know, if you're, especially if you're not a part of Full Life, thank you so much for tuning in. We love having you part of our you know, service today. And it really is, it really is a great community uh, to worship God with. Um, and so all I wanted to say through all that is that, you know, these online services mean something amazing. It's thing, eternal things are happening. So please continue to pray for our services. Let's continue to pray for our churches, pastors, other Christians who might be discouraged. And let's really continue to pray for God to do something powerful and amazing. I, you know, I'm a, I, I, I gather with my family every single night and we just literally pray for supernatural miracles to happen, for God to intervene and to just stop this whole uh, COVID-19 you know, pandemic. You know, we just really believe that God can do something absolutely amazing. And he's already doing things. We always know there's a purpose behind it. And so if you're sitting there and you're kind of fearful, maybe the news always gets you a little bit scared. Know that God is in control. He loves you. He's doing something eternal, even through the worst things that we might see in front of our faces or on the news. And so let's, put, let's continue to put our hope in Christ. And so let's continue to pray for you know, all the frontline workers. Let's continue to pray for all the policemen, the shopkeepers, everyone who's putting their lives at risk to serve us in any way that we can. And let's really just, maybe we can create a society of thanksgiving. And let's just you know, say thank you to all of our Woolies workers, Coles workers, or anyone that we might run into. Um, I'm hearing great stories, even in my community, of whenever they see someone in like scrubs or like a nurse uniform, they just like shout them coffees or shout their groceries or things like that. And you know, I just thought, wow, if the church was behind that, what a great thing. You know, what, what great testimonies of, of God's goodness in our society today. And so we as a church, you know, I think it's an opportunity for us to step up and to become like that. And so uh, in light of Easter, in light of everything that's happening, in light of the whole pandemic, I think it's a great opportunity for all of us Christians, not just to sit back. Maybe we did the first few weeks. We just kind of sat back and say, okay, what can we do to protect ourselves? But now it's a great opportunity for us to look outside and to call some people and to care, take care of people. Maybe, you know, you just want to run into Woolies and out, but maybe there's someone that you can pay your groceries, you know, you can pay their groceries, you can take care of them, just share, the, share with them how much God's in control and how much God loves them. And great opportunities, I think, that are out there. And so um, thank you for joining us. And uh, let's just get to the word of God today. Uh, it comes from Matthew 5, 8. We're going to continue our series in the Beatitudes. And so the Word of God today comes from Matthew 5, 8. The Word of God reads, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for the things that you're doing. I know when we do look at the news and when we see outside, and sometimes we just feel like, you know, we get frustrated because of the cabin fever stuck in our homes. But Lord, we thank you that you're returning families back to each other. God, we thank you for the ability and the opportunities to love, truly love our neighbor and to extend your love in a real way to other people. Father, we thank you, God, that you're stripping away all the external things that a lot of times we base our lives upon, you know, and you're just bringing us back to the things that truly matter, which is loving our neighbor, loving you, 
truly taking care of each other and making sure that this world and lives are saved. Lord, we pray that you'll continue to do that, not only in this world, but in our church. And Father, may you use all these churches and all these ministries, God, to really shine your light and your hope to the darkness that currently exists in this pandemic. Father, we just depend upon you. We, we just look to you. Father, we pray that you'll continue to anoint and protect all the frontline workers that are out there, all the people who are in the labs fighting for a vaccine. We pray, God, that you will uh, find a cure for COVID. Father, we pray that you will supernaturally just intervene, God, and eradicate this whole virus from this earth. Father, we need you, God. We know that you are our only hope. And Father, we turn to you to really show us, God, who you really are. And we pray, God, that you'll continue to do that, not just in our society, but especially through your church. Father, we just depend upon you. We thank you so much. We pray that your word today will truly not only be an encouragement, but a challenge, Father, for us in our time right now. We thank you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, seeing certain things in life has the power to change how you look at life itself sometimes. Uh, I grew up in Chicago, um, which was like in the middle of the United States. So the moment I moved to Sydney, I was totally enamored by the beaches and by the ocean. And so, you know, every moment I could, you know, I would like jig work and do all that stuff and, you know, whatever it was. And I would go to the ocean and, and go swimming with my buddies. And I remember one time I went to, I, don't, I think it was Avalon Beach or something like that. And uh, there, there were all these signs saying, please don't go into the water. But, you know, when stupid men see signs, see signs like that, we go into the water. And the reason why is because it was so windy, the waves are so huge. So, you know, for us, it was so exciting. But uh, I remember one time my friend was like, Eddie, look out. And I turned around and I saw like this 1.5 meter wave, you know, it looked like 10 meters, but it was just scary. And it came and I totally got smashed. And that, in that moment, that wave gave me a total, total fear of the ocean. It changed the way I you know, swam in the ocean forever. I took the ocean much more seriously and, I, and there was a genuine healthy fear now whenever I go to the ocean. It can do so many things. You know? I remember the first time I saw the Northern Lights. Have any, have any of you seen the Northern Lights in person? The first time, I only saw it once, but when I saw it, you know, I just started to cry. And I, I don't know why, I just started to cry. You know, and I, it was so like majestic and I felt so insignificant and it just moved me, you know, things like that. Uh, the, first, the, the one time I saw uh, children star starving, dying of starvation and disease in Africa, you know, that forever will be imprinted upon my heart, you know, because in that moment, you know, I saw the frailty of humanity maybe the injustice of the modern world. And seeing those people, you know, change the way I viewed even my own life. I knew that I had a bigger purpose than just for me to get a job and to do church well or, you know, something like that. I, I knew that there was a bigger purpose for me in this world and it absolutely moved me. And those are very powerful images in my life. But as powerful as those may be, there is a vision that is much greater and that is much more powerful, that has the power to change our lives forever, and that is the sight of God. You know, the, the vision, you know, men and women seeing God has literally changed lives throughout history. You know, the sight of God has literally brought conquerors to their knees, like Constantine. 
You know, it makes people go on ridiculous missions like, like Moses, you know, who's gonna, who went to go free some slaves from the most powerful country in the world with a stick, you know. I mean, it has totally changed the course of history and with it millions upon millions of lives who simply saw God and surrendered everything to him. What's great about our, verses, our verse today is that even before we begin talking about what this verse means, it's telling us that God wants us to see him, that we were meant to see him, and not just once, but repeatedly. And to me, that's like the greatest thing, that God wants to be seen. He wants to dwell with us. He wants us to be with him. And so that's really awesome. And if you've never thought about it before, continually seeing God throughout your life, I think, is the key, really, to staying faithful to God. It really is the key to being hungry for more of God all the time. And so this verse today is giving us the answer on how we can do that all the time. You know, I, once, I say this every single week, but I've been a pastor for a while now, and I've seen people who are, like, are in love with God. And, and for some reason, every single week, they're, they're like pumped up to continue to live for God. And that's amazing. It's, it's as if they're seeing God regularly so much, they continually just want to give more and surrender more and serve God more. So I'm convinced that there are people, there are Christians who see God very regularly and clearly in their lives. But there's also these other Christians who go to church and they genuinely love God as well. But for some reason, they struggle so much just to get a glimpse of God each and every single week. You know, the desire is there. But for some reason, the payoff isn't. But why is that? You know, why do some people truly encounter and see God so clearly while others seem to barely get a peek? You know, how can we continually see God in such a way that we'll continually just want to live for him and love him with all of our lives? Our verse has the answer for those questions today. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Now, in all honesty, uh, I don't think this verse needs too much explanation, you know? If you're seeing God clearly in your life, then it's probably because you're what? Pure in heart, right? And if you're not seeing God clearly in your life, it's probably because you're not what? Pure in heart, right? So there you go. Just be pure in heart and you'll be able to see God and you're set. So, you know, there's really not much to preach about, is there? But there are, because you know, we need to answer questions like, what does it mean to be pure in heart, right? How can we become pure in heart? How can we stay continually pure in heart? You know, what does it mean to see God? Can we actually physically see God? What does that look like? What does that mean? And so these are some of the questions that I'd love to answer for you today. Let's begin with what it means to be pure in heart. Now, the word pure actually has two meanings in the Bible, and they both apply here in this, in this verse. The first uh, meaning of pure is this. Here's the definition. To be free from dirt, filth, or contamination. And because it's referring to our hearts, what it's saying is, what it's talking about is being holy. So to have a pure heart means that the way we think, right, our motives, our drives, they need to be free from sin. They need to be free from dirt, filth, contamination, right? Our hearts were always meant to reflect the holiness of God. And so to give us a little bit more insight as to what the heart really is, let's look at Proverbs 4.23. Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. And what God is saying here in this verse is that the heart is the command center of our lives. It is the command and control center of our lives. Who we are 
And what we're all about begins here, not only begins here, but what we do and how we live our lives emanates from there, right? So the heart is the place where our most critical choices are not only formed, but they're also implemented. And, you know, if we let that place, that command center get soiled and, you know, by unholy things, then who we are and what we believe and become and are all about really get driven by ungodly values, you know, ungodly desires, and ungodly practices. So holiness really is the first meaning of purity, okay? The second meaning of pure refers to a purity in devotion. And as important as the first definition of purity is, this particular definition really is what this verse is talking about. It's the emphasis of this verse. The actual Greek for this word pure here is always used in relation to metals that are pure from any others. Okay, the literal definition is unmixed, having no double allegiance. And I love that word allegiance because the idea then is really, really simple. To be pure in heart means to be loyal and devoted to God alone. That's it. There is no other devotion that we have in our lives. There is no other allegiance we have within our lives. And if we are people who follow after Christ, there's no other choice that we entertain ever than to live our lives for God alone, to live for his glory alone. And quite honestly, I think this is where people in our generation have the most difficult time following after God because never in history has there been such a wide variety of attractive yet invalid and unholy choices that we're constantly bombarded with, things that constantly compete for our attention and try to steal away our allegiance to God. It is very difficult in our day and age to stay pure, isn't it? I don't know about you, but I am a total fast food junkie. I love fast food. You could probably tell from my figure, I love fast food. You know, I love McDonald's. Hungry Jack's, KFC, that's the trifecta. If you can get those three all in one day, you have a great day. That's a great day. You know, the thing is, but there is one fast food restaurant that I love more than all those put together, and it's a fast food restaurant in the States. I don't know if you've ever been there. It's a fast food restaurant called In-N-Out Burger. In-N-Out Burger. Yes, we have our media team raising their thumbs. It, it truly is the best, okay? And if you've never been there, the next time this, all this stuff is lifted, you got to go to America just to try the burger and then come right back. Anyway, uh, I love this restaurant because uh, for two reasons. The first is uh, they just literally make the best burgers in the world. You know, sorry Shake Shack, sorry all these other whatever. You know, they make the best. It's number one. But the second reason why I love In-N-Out burgers so much is probably directly related to the first, and that's this. If you were to walk into an In-N-Out burger and you were to look at the menu, there's only three things on the menu. Burgers, fries, and Coke. Now the thing is fries, it's either small, medium, or large, so it's totally useless to be on there. Coke too, it's useless because you actually fill the cup yourself. So really, if you look at this menu, there's only one thing on the menu, and that is burgers, right? That's all there's, there's no chicken burger, there's no fish burger, there's no wraps, there's no salad, there's no onion rings, you know, there's no nothing like that. There's just burgers. Every single person that walks into In-N-Out Burger eats the exact same thing. The only thing that's different is whether you want one patty, two patties, three patties, four patties, whatever, you can get as many as you want. But at the end of the day, all they serve are burgers. There are no other choices. And if you understand my message today so far, this is a pure, 
restaurant, you know, because there's no other choices. The thing is, you know, if Christians learned to see the menu of their lives every day as having only one choice, and that's to live for God alone, then, you know, we would be living very pure lives. I mean, if we woke up every single morning and all we thought about was, you know, I'm just going to live for God alone. I'm going to do everything in my life, whether it's brushing my teeth to like going to work to taking a bus, whatever it is, I'm going to study for God alone. It's going to be for God's glory and everything's going to fall in line with that. If we did that, then we could live very pure lives. But what Christians seem to struggle with the most is having that one-track mind, don't you, wouldn't you say? To living for God alone. For some reason, Christians in our day, we have no trouble mixing our devotion or even blending our devotion to Christ with our devotion to all these other values that really are, are not good, right? To other masters, like, you know, a lot of times we have no problem mixing our devotion to Christ with mixing our devotion to things like success, Right? Living for our own personal success and living for Christ, we just blend that together. Living for money, you know, living for fame, you know, even things like living with a sense of entitlement or even FOMO, you know, fear of missing out. We have no problem blending these values together, but no, we can't, right? Because pure, a pure life and a pure Christian life is a life that's lived for God alone. And because many Christians try and, and serve both masters, you know, or many, you know, multiple masters within their lives, unfortunately, the church, we find the church, it's filled with Christians who truly love God. But instead of living this active faith that's purely for him and, you know, continually encountering him as a result and being fueled by him so they can even live more for him every single day, on a very spiritual level, what, what's happening practically within the church today is that a lot of us are effectively just standing there, just staring at the menu of all these other invalid, unholy choices that life and the evil one is throwing at us, completely baffled as to which one we're going to indulge in next. That's unfortunately the picture of the church sometimes. But we cannot be like that. Jesus said himself, you cannot serve two masters. Right? You must serve God alone. There cannot be any other choice. Which means, on a very practical level, that if we want to live a pure life, we need to learn how to actively identify and discard all those other masters that we're choosing to live for within our lives. Right? If we want purity of heart. And when we learn to discipline ourselves to live that kind of purity of life, what is the verse promise us, it promises us that we're going to see God. And not just see God once, but to see God over and over and over again. So every single time you choose holiness over sin, every single time you choose God's way over yours, every single time you choose God's you know, will over your desires and his pleasure, every single time you choose to trust in him and his words and his way, then your spiritual eyes get clear. Right? And you get to see God. And you position your heart and you position your life in such a way that you'll get to see God. You know, for me, that's really the only reason why I choose to stay a Christian or stay in the faith. It really is. You know, God's really brought me and my whole family through a lot of difficulties and a lot of trials, you know. And uh, we've, we've gone through difficult things with our family. We've gone through difficult things in ministry. We've had a failed church plant. This is all part of our history. And a lot of those things really broke us. You know, they really, you know, we're scarred up a lot, you know. We're wounded a lot. 
Um, and there are a lot of times, you know, in our lives or in my life where I seriously wanted to throw in the towel. You know, I wanted to quit the faith. I wanted to quit following after God because it's just too hard. It's too painful. There are a lot of times that I remember just sitting there in my, in my bedroom and I'm just angry. I'm frustrated. You know, I'm filled with like things like self-pity, you know, because the road to following after Jesus really is that difficult and it's brutal and I don't like it, you know, and uh, I, there are so many, there are so many times that I just wanted to quit. But during those times, when everything within me tells me that the smartest choice is to quit the faith and to quit Jesus and to walk away, when I choose to discard every other choice but to seek after God and to live for God alone and not even entertain any other option, what I've discovered in my life is that those are the moments that God just reveals himself to me the most powerfully. You know, and it's those moments that, you know, I just, everything else looks ridiculous, you know. And even if God were to say, hey, if you come back and follow after me, I'm just, all I'm going to give you is a lifestyle of continual failure, you know, a life filled with continual disappointments. Are you willing to follow after me? And I would still say yes. And the reason isn't because I'm going to become more like Jesus. Or the, re the reason isn't because, isn't because, hey, you know, I, there's a great payoff. I'll become more mature or something like that. It isn't because I don't think those things are kind of worth it. But the reason why I would still choose to follow after God is because he's worth it. Seeing him trumps everything, you know? That makes everything look like nothing. And it makes him really look like everything. You know, to me, it makes no sense when I read certain stories in scripture. It makes no sense that Moses would try to go to the most powerful nation in the world and try to free them from the, try to free all these slaves, millions upon millions of Israelites with a stick. You know, all, all, the, all Abraham ever wanted was a son, but then he was willing to kill him the next day because a voice told him to do it. You know, Moses went because a bush told him to do it. There was a story in the New Testament about this woman who had like seven husbands and was still sleeping around and, you know, everyone hated her. She was like the town, you know, outcast. But the moment she meets Jesus, she goes and she like tells this whole town, you guys got to believe in the guy I just saw. And all these stories to me kind of make absolutely no sense, but it totally does because these are all people who saw God. Seeing God has the power to change lives. And when we read scripture and we read all these stories about all these characters in the Bible, they prove for us over and over and over again that people who continually see God in their lives get anointed with the power to change and transform the world. It really is everything, isn't it? But it all begins with purity. It all begins with being pure of heart. There can be no other choice for us as believers than to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and being. That really is the thrust of what it means to be pure in heart, isn't it? Right? So that's how we need to live out our studies. That's how we need to live out our careers. That's how we need to live out our families. And if we do, then we're not only going to see God manifest himself in those areas and arenas of our lives, but we'll be able to witness how God will use those arenas to influence the world and to change the world for his glory. So pure in heart. Right? Do you guys get that? Pure in heart? So now that we know what pure in heart means, what does it mean to see God? Okay. Well, first, let me tell you what it doesn't mean. 
You know, a lot of people think that, oh, does, does Jesus mean that we actually get to see him physically? And the answer, unfortunately, is no. We don't see him physically. God even says in the Bible, or it says in the Bible that God is spirit, so we can't see him physically. God even says in the Bible that if man were to see him, we would die. So obviously Jesus is not inviting us into death, right? So what does Jesus mean when he says that we can see him? And, you know, I really like here the answer that John Piper gives to this question. He says that we can actually see God in three ways, okay? And the first way is we get admitted into his presence. Kind of like when a servant says, oh, the king will see you now. You know, see. So we get admitted. God, you know, allows us to be in his presence. God admits us into his presence. The second way is seeing God means being awestruck by his glory. And to clarify that, Piper says, by a direct experience of his holiness. You know, have you guys ever had that, that direct experience of God's holiness? I know many Christians that I know, at one point in their lives, they sensed, they had this deep sense of God's holiness upon them, which drove them to repent for their sins and to surrender their lives to God. And in the same breath, they could probably tell you that even though uh, seeing and sensing God's holiness was a bit fearful, there was something that drew them to God, that wanted them to be with God. And to me, I, I, I kind of embody, I think that experience, I would describe as being awestruck by his glory. You know, and I think we all need that. Which leads us to the third way that we see God within our lives, and that's being comforted by his grace. Whenever God chooses to show himself to us, we get comforted by his grace. God doesn't have to show himself to us. Right? He doesn't have to be like that. Not, not only show, him, show himself to us once, but continually. He doesn't have to do that, but yet he does. But it comforts us because when it does, or when he chooses to do that to us, the experience that we get is that we feel cherished. And, and, you know, we're loved. We know that. People who come away from being comforted by God know that they are so cherished by the Almighty Father. And that's why it's awesome. So seeing God means three things. It means being admitted into his presence, being completely awestruck by his glory, and being comprehensively comforted by his grace. And when we see God like that, and when we experience God like that, it changes us. And it transforms us to be who God wants us to be so that we can truly live the life that God created us to live. That's why seeing God is absolutely necessary if we want to live a healthy Christian life. Do you guys get that? So the question then, oh, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. That's our verse. So the question we need to ask ourselves today is, are you seeing God in your life? If so, great, you're probably pure. I'll continue to be pure. But if not, how can we do that more? Right? Um, how can we become more pure? And if I'm very honest with you as a pastor, that if I were to create a sermon that answered that question, it would take 10 years long to preach. Right? The whole Bible is about that. How do you become more pure with your life? But So what I'm about to share with you is something that's very, very small. Uh, but I tried to narrow it down to two essential suggestions. I tried to make it very, very simple. So how... Can we see God more within our lives? How can we become more pure within our lives? And here are my two suggestions. Number one is practice faith. Practice faith, right? The truth is only, we cannot make ourselves pure. 
right? We can't. No matter how much we try, no matter what we do, no matter what we cut out or what we change, you know, we'll still always be sinful. We'll never be pure. So only God can make us pure. This is what even Jesus says in Matthew 19, verse 26, where he says, with man, this is impossible. The question that was asked of Jesus was, how do I get saved? How do I I become pure? How do I become perfect like God and go to heaven? And Jesus says, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. And so the question is, how do we become pure then? And the answer is by putting our faith in Jesus Christ, right? First and foremost, we are made pure by what Christ did upon the cross for us. We just experienced Easter weekend. It was the greatest. You know, when Jesus died on Good Friday, he died to pay the penalty of all of our sins, past, present, and future. As far as the east is to the west, we've been forgiven. And it's only by faith in what Jesus Christ accomplished that weekend does our sinfulness then get replaced by his perfect righteousness, or if I can say it, his perfect purity. And if you put your faith in what Christ did upon the cross and in the resurrection, then God can only now see you through the blood of Christ, which means that the only way God can see you is as a perfectly pure child. Right? If you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, do so today. Trust in Jesus. He died for your sins. And if you trust in him, you can be made pure. So purity begins with faith in Christ. But it also continues by faith in Christ. You know, purity continues when we live each day in light of the cross so that we can operate our lives focused upon him and not ourselves. You know, I told you earlier, it's very difficult to live pure in this life because we so easily mix our devotion to Christ with our devotion to all these other things, evil things, you know. And, uh, you know, I, I myself find myself divided a lot in my devotion. And whenever I find myself doing that, you know what I do to myself? <laughs> I do to myself. You know what I do? I actually present the gospel to myself. I literally present the gospel to myself from start to finish. You know, you're a sinner. You're, you're, you're bound to hell because you're a sinner, you know, and that's what you deserve. But out of God's love for you and out of his mercy, he sent us in Jesus. And if you simply have faith in him, you can be forgiven. You can become his child. You used to live as a sinner for yourself, but now, you know, God has, you know, sent his son so you could become his child to live for him and his glory forever. All this, I literally present all this to myself. And the reason why I do is because it recenters me. It reminds me of who I am. It reminds me of what my life is supposed to be about. And it transfers who I choose to trust in that day from myself to Christ, right? And I think that's really, really important. You know, and when I approach that day, reminded of those truths and repositioned to gaze upon Christ instead of myself, then it empowers me and it drives me to live that day by faith, so that I don't have to live for my own success or my own fame or my own money or, or fear of missing out on anything or, or, or fight for my own entitlements because I can trust in God and his sovereignty over my life. I can trust in his goodness. I can trust that he really is a good, perfect father over me and I can trust in his ways and I don't have to manipulate and control anything myself. So truthfully, purity not only starts by faith, but it continues by faith, when our hearts are focused and trusting upon Christ each and every single day. And when, I, when I'm operating like that, that's when 
it gives me the confidence to continually approach God and to continually ask for him to reveal himself to, to me so that I can see him more clearly in my life. Do you guys get that? So practice faith. It is so essential, right? Not just in starting off pure, but continuing to live a pure life, right? The second suggestion I have is practice holiness, Practice holiness, practice purity, practice holiness. You know, we said that purity was having a single-minded devotion to God alone. No other choices on the menu of our lives, okay? But how do we do that? And this is kind of difficult for me to kind of bring it down to, but I, I kind of brought it down to two ways we can do that. And that's uh, taking big steps and taking small steps, Okay, and they're equally just as important. You know, what I mean by big steps are the big picture things in our lives. You know, things that define us, the things that determine the direction of our lives, like your life goals, your career, uh, like your history, your family, things like that. You know, and the question I want us to ask is, are we living out those things purely for God alone? Maybe we've never even asked that question. You know, what does it mean? What does it look like? to live out my particular job or my particular career for God's glory alone? What does it mean for me to be, you know, like this husband or for me to be the mother of these children? And how do I do that? How do I become a mother for God alone and for his glory? And maybe we've never asked that question, but maybe it's time for us to ask that question, right? And there, you know, and so what I would love for us to do is to start praying about that and just ask God that question. Ask him to speak to you about what it means to be, you know, to have that career for God or to, what about these histories? What about the things that God has brought me through, good and bad? What do those mean in light of his glory? And maybe you can pray about those things. And as God gives you insight into those things, ask him for the courage to take action. Ask him for the courage to start changing things so that you could live for him. There are so many testimonies that I can share with you about people who have chosen to do that with their lives and, you know, it would take forever for me to share all these stories, but let me tell you what the common denominator really is of all these testimonies. You know, they'll all tell you how much more clearly and powerfully they're seeing God in their lives. Why? Because they're making the big picture things about their life purely for God, right? And that's exactly what it means to be pure. Now, the smaller things are like the nitty-gritty things that we kind of do each and every single day. You know, things like our schedule, things like our, our responsibilities, uh, our interaction with our families and friends, the way we drive, you know, what movie we choose on Netflix tonight, or whatever it is, the websites that we visit, why we choose to post things on the internet, all these types of things and so on. You know, how can we honor God with all those things? How can we make them pure and holy? How can we make them for God's glory alone? And once again, maybe we've never asked those questions because we just kind of think that's what life's all about. I just have to do those things to get to where I need to go or to whatever. But the process is just as important as the goal, isn't it? Pray over those things. Allow God to speak to you. Make the necessary changes and just see how God reveals himself to you more. Once again, the big steps, the little steps, they're both equally as important if we want to live a pure life, if we want to live a holy life for God, we need to work on them all. So becoming more pure is going to be a big challenge, isn't it? It is. Yeah, but let me encourage you. No one becomes holy overnight. Nobody does, right? This whole process was meant to be a lifelong battle. And it was also meant to be a very personal Struggle. So if it gets really personal and it starts hurting, that's probably a good sign. 
But he, let me encourage you, and here's the good news. The good news is that it's a journey that Jesus wants to take with us very intimately. He wants to take that with us every single step of the way. And the reason is, is because when he sees that the greatest desire in our lives is to see him, and we're making all these choices, we're cutting things out, we're changing things within our lives to become more pure and holy because we want to see him more. You know what Jesus is going to do? He's going to reveal himself to us more, to help us every single step of the way. And that is why God calls this person blessed. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Practice faith, practice holiness. You do that and you'll see God so much more in your life. I want to end my sermon today by just simply, once again, repeating Proverbs 4, 23. You know, hopefully you can see that on your screen, but it says this, above all else, above all else, guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. Above all else, seek purity. Above all else, desire and want God so badly that you're willing to live a pure life for him and his glory. This is a person that God blesses. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Let's pray. You know, God wants you to see him so badly. And I know, if I know Christians, all of us want to see God badly. We do. God says, be pure in heart, and you will. But that's a big challenge, isn't it? Because being pure is a lot bigger than just having the desire to be pure. It requires faith. It requires, a lot of times, making painful changes. It requires choosing this pathway that's defined by the cross, carrying a cross, right? What I'd love to do today is just invite you to talk to God about these things, you know? Talk to God about your faith. Talk to God about holiness and purity in your life. Ask him to speak to you and to give you the courage to take those steps because if there's anything I want to, if there's any promise that I want to give you, seeing him really is the game changer. It really puts everything else, you know, this is what we want and this is what we need in our lives. So let's see. Father, we thank you so much just for your grace that's constantly over our lives. You know, if we take an honest look at ourselves, you know, we've comp we compromise all the time. You know, we say we're devoted to Christ, but then we also devote ourselves to all these other things, you know, and we can do that in the same breath. 
And Father, forgive us that we're not even that sharp to recognize it every single day. But Lord, we pray that you'll give us that spiritual acuity to recognize every single time our hearts are divided, every single time that we mix our devotion with Christ with all these other things. and Give us the power and the courage to discard all those other choices so that we can live purely for you alone. Continue to speak to us within our lives so that we can live our lives for you alone so that there will be no other choice and no other devotion within our hearts, God. But we're not there yet, but we want to be. But Lord, we can't get there unless you help us. So Lord, we trust in you. We pray for your special anointing of your spirit, God, to be upon us so that we can choose you above all other things. Help us to live lives. Help our full life family, God, to be filled with people who truly want to see you and will make the hard choices and will truly make the hard trust and faith in you, God, so that we'll live these lives continually enamored and awestruck by who you are. Lord, we need that so badly within our lives. But Lord, only you can give that to us. Fill our church with people that want you and you alone. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.